0: Block Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. I'm Alan Potcotter and you're listening to Call Talk for july thirty first, twenty nineteen. Today's topic is Agent Performance. And quality training. If you're listening live, we invite you to be part of the show and ask questions. Here's how you do it email me at calltalkbenchmarkportal.com. I want to remind everyone that all of our shows are archived and available to listen to at any time of the day. You can be found at benchmarkportal.com. And now I'd like to introduce the host of the show, Bruce fiore
1: Thank you, Alan, and welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. I have a few questions for our listeners. Does your contact center struggle with getting agents floor ready? Well, I can hear heads nodding throughout the land. Uh, ever had a bad experience with your, co- with your contact center agents? And why do you think that happened? You know, there's an awful lot that goes on here with regard to uh, how to take care of these issues, and a lot of it can be, in fact, confronted through effective agent education. And that's why we wanted to talk more about agent performance quality and training, and we brought in a real expert on the topic for you, Nancy Monroe. Welcome to the show, Nancy.
2: Well, thanks for having me, Bruce. It's a pleasure
1: to be here. Okay, great. Well, Nancy, for our listeners, is the CEO of Verbal Transactions. She has over 28 years in developing organizations and implementing and deploying voice enablement solutions. She's worked with organizations like CVS, AT&T, and Microsoft, uh, helping them to decipher how best to address performance challenges that align to their structural capabilities and revenue goals. Uh, She helped pioneer voice-enabled technologies and was the first to launch an interactive audio role-playing simulator. Her current solutions leverage speech recognition and AI to provide immersive learning applications. Nancy is an industry speaker and was the chair of the MIT Enterprise Forum of Chicago for three years. So we really have a person with tons of experience and insights for our listeners. It's really great. And Nancy, uh, on the subject, uh, which is a huge subject after all, uh, your Mm -hmm. focus is really on training and improving the customer experience. Uh, can you tell us all more about this?
2: Sure. Uh, thanks, Bruce. And and so let me let me position it this way. There's a lot of focus right now on CX. You know, everything's X now, right? <laughs> and so that customer yep. experience and there's a there's a huge focus on that. And when I call up those executives that have that role in the organization and present to them, you know, what I do and the, my focus within training, they said, Well, I have nothing to do with training. And I said, well, there seems to be a disconnect here because absolutely <laughs> the two are intertwined together. You know, the better trained your agents are, obviously the better customer experience your customers are going to have. And um, <clears throat> I, I always show this picture of a woman screaming into a phone, It's this customer on the, uh, on the other end of the phone. And I said, I can bet every single one of us can relate to that experience. No. And it's it's usually either somebody's just trying to stick to their script and they've not been given the ability to think for themselves. They've not been uh, on the phone experience long enough. They weren't uh, given enough time for practice sessions. And, you know, there's always a direct correlation between those organizations that invest more money in per head per training dollar. There's a correlation around profitability and success, overall within the organization and but you know anytime you know there's a budget squeeze one of the first things to get cut is um, training from that budget
1: yeah and and that really is a a shame because the uh, you know sort of overflow effect uh, with regard to training is uh, there are many of them Um, Mm -hmm. I was just in fact uh, corresponding with a colleague about uh, first contact resolution uh, mm-hmm. and uh, the fact that there's really uh, so much that goes into that. And training is a huge part of it, along with mm-hmm. technology. Mm-hmm. And right. uh, sometimes training technology, actually, is a big part of it. And right. uh, the spinoff effects of that are, are are multiple, because if you have more first call resolution through good training and through tra- good mm-hmm. uh, training mm-hmm. technology, you then have uh, fewer calls because there's going to be fewer repeats. Sure, repeat- sure. Done. Uh, you yep. um, you know, it's also going to reduce the amount of handle time, and it's going to uh, increase customer satisfaction, agent mm-hmm. satisfaction. It's actually, mm-hmm. they're going to be happier, right? If, right. If, uh, ha- trained agents are yeah. happy agents, aren't they? Maybe we could talk about. <laughs> yeah. That who wants to get
2: yelled at every day you go to work, right? From customers that are <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Yeah. It's no fun. It's no fun. No.
1: And and actually, no. if you, uh, you know, feel you're well supported through your training that's been given to you, that shows that your company cares about you Mm -hmm. and cares about the customers, right? Right. Uh, Right. Then it's all going to to work better, and you're going to end up bringing the uh, cost down, too. And you're right. Mm -hmm. People oftentimes Mm -hmm. are sitting in silos and saying, okay, customer experience, we want good customer experience. What does that have to do with my training department? It has everything to do with your training department, right?
2: Yeah. Well, if you think of that, um, in, in the IT world, people use the term single point of failure. You know, So mm-hmm. for a contact center, obviously the single point of failure is people can't call in or uh, use chat or whatever, but then that next single point of failure is the person they're interacting with. Mm-hmm. And you yep. think of all the time and money investment that organization paid to acquire that customer, and within one phone call, not only could you lose them, but with social media these days, they're going to spread the word pretty darn fast on Facebook or Twitter or whatever it is and just say, never, never ever use this company again because this happened to me.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, in fact, uh, that is right. You know, we're all sort of in the thrall of uh, social media these days, and uh, it can have such a big impact. Even when the impact may be limited, it oftentimes mm-hmm. gets to the senior senior uh, people in our organization and for us, it can be a disaster, even if, uh, objectively speaking, the company's not going to fold because of it. Uh, right, So right. We, could, we could end up folding because of it. So it has to be taken very seriously. And obviously you want to sort of really
2: yeah.
1: make sure you've got the best customer experience possible.
2: Well, and, and you think today's job tight job market, too, uh, you know, mm-hmm. bringing those people in, you know, the recruitment costs up front to even – find those people and you've got some contact centers that are in uh geographic challenging areas where they you know they kind of suck through that that population pretty fast so you know they want to be able to find ways to make sure that they that person they recruited spent all that time and money to get on board is going to stay on board because their pool of you know possible employees is getting smaller and smaller these days too
1: right Right. No, that's, that's an important thing. And, and uh, you know, people will obviously jump ship if it's uh, a lot more money or whatever. But one of the things that uh, people in the industry do, uh, agents do, is to talk to each other. And they can do that, you mm-hmm. know, either virtually mm-hmm. over the Internet or they can do it in person. Right. And if you have a good reputation for providing top training and, uh, you know, that, that's uh, reinforced, for really good mentoring and coaching, uh, mm-hmm. then, you know, that, that, that can be important. So right. what, what does that look like when it's really done well, mm-hmm. when it's done well and does support the customer experience?
2: Well, I think it all comes down to uh, the culture first. You know, does the culture allow for that? And then um, there's, there tends to be a big gap around the skill set of that floor manager you know, mm-hmm. and so some do it better than others. And so some of the training could also go into training the actual managers on the floor, the leadership within the contact center. And, and you guys probably know that better than anybody because you guys provide some of that. So it's, um, you know, there's so much focus on getting an agent training, product knowledge, up to speed, train, 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 you know, but who's training the people training them mm-hmm. on how to actually provide them with good coaching and good feedback That doesn't come natural to people. Typically, somebody got promoted because they were a good agent and now they're the manager. And so somebody forgot to teach them how to be a manager and they're just kind of stuck learning it on the fly and not always doing the best job.
1: No, that's absolutely true. We see that all the time, uh, Nancy, where people are promoted either to training management positions or to supervisor uh, positions Mm -hmm. and they aren't given, they themselves aren't given the right training to be really good trainers and coaches. And, uh, all that is, is extremely important. Uh, you know, the, the poor supervisors are, who are the ones who I think are the heroes of the contact center, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. so much put on them. I mean, they are the sandwich right. meat, aren't they? In the middle of right. everything. Right. And, and they're good. <laughs> yep. Go ahead.
2: No, as I say, and you think of, um, the rate of pay at which those agents are getting paid, you know, isn't, you know, top scale, but yet they're expected to, you know, do this within a certain amount of seconds, resolve this within a certain amount of time, say these words, open up this resource, know how to, it's just, it's crazy insane. And, and they're being watched, you know, every micro movement they're doing is being watched by somebody, which is so stressful that, you know, you've got to have somebody that can empathize with them on their end of all the yeah. the things that they're you know all the responsibility that they're you know being burdened with for the rate of pay right. that they're making you know and and sometimes it you know there's a breaking point there,
1: yeah, you know no, that's right and the the empathy part is really important, and unfortunately, you do see situations where people are promoted to supervisor and they feel like they have to flick a switch and they're no longer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in you know touch with their former selves as agents, and that's the you know you need to. Obviously, take your new role seriously, but uh, I've often advocated, particularly with certain clients, um, what I call, you know, changing the supervisor role to the agent advocate role. Mm -hmm. And uh, what if you were, in fact, to change the name of supervisors to agent advocate and to say, you know, your success is going to be based on the success of your people. And so you need to train them, mentor them et cetera, for that. And we as a company are going to make sure that you have the training in person and the te- uh, te- technology-enabled en- uh, training, etc. that um, will allow you to do that. And we're going to make it specific for supervisors. We're going to give you supervisor training. We're going to give you uh, coaching training and, and make right. it so that you can, make, you can succeed in making others succeed.
2: Right, right. And I see that not only in call centers, but I, I've done a lot of work with inside sales and sales enablement organizations. And, and the same gap is loud and clear there too because, you know, I think Harvard did a study where, you know, they'll they'll coach their top performers and their low performers, but they're not coaching those people that are, you know, just getting by. And if they were mm-hmm. able to move the needle just 10% of that bigger population, how much more effective and, and how much more of an impact it would have on the organization. So the same is for contact centers, I'm sure because you've got top performers that are always flying by, getting winning all the awards, winning all the prizes, getting all the pats on the back. And then you got uh-huh. the people that are just, you know, can't, you know, they're really struggling, so they're going to get get a lot of remedial, you know, coaching, but those people in the middle, what do you do with them? Because you know, it's hard to provide a scalable way of of tracking all those other people in the middle with the resources that you have. So you've got to find some way of providing them with some kind of reinforcement and, and engagement as much as you can, uh, because like you know, just like the Harvard reports showed, if you could just move the needle incrementally ten percent and improve their performance by that much, just think of how more mm-hmm. first call resolutions you would have and, and all the benefits you would receive from that.
1: Right. Yeah. No. That, that's huge. That's huge. And what has your experience been too with regard to um, AI? Uh, you know speech recognition ai with regard mm-hmm. to uh the uh the learning process because what you're just talking about obviously is partly a matter of scale uh because right. if you have a very small center that's uh, almost like a little family maybe one or two mm-hmm. supervisor groups that's it. uh it's a very different environment than if you have a very large center uh, mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. keeping track of you know the needs and the status and the performance and the the uh, training of uh, all the, the the people in there it gets pretty difficult gets pretty harried so uh, being able to rely on on technology to uh, see where people are and what they need could could be very helpful can you talk right. to us a little bit about that
2: right yeah so I um, I've been kind of on a little soapbox these days because the the standard uh, way of measuring electronic training today is is or online training is something called SCORM. And mm-hmm. yep. all SCORM is required to do is measure when somebody took the class and if they passed the test at the required level. So you have no idea what happened in between, what their true competency was, if they're actually uh, transferring that knowledge and applying it to, you know, um, achievable skills within the job. So where I see AI that can come into play is not replacing a contact-centered person's job but helping them have better human-to-human interactions by somehow automating observation of the behaviors that they're delivering, either in training or live in production, tracking Mm -hmm. that training uh, in real time and giving them immediate feedback. So I did a lot of studies around Delayed feedback versus immediate feedback. And in call mm-hmm. centers especially, sometimes they're not going to know that that agent, let's say the example was uh, uh, somebody, at Com- I think it was Comcast, where they um, keyed in the wrong um, appointment information for some uh, technician to show up at the house. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't get that information till a couple weeks later that that happened because mm-hmm. the technicians as a separate contractor and by the time they fill out their reports, and that, you know, gets to the call center, gets to the manager, gets to the agent. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, yep, I guess I screwed up, you know. That that doesn't help. <laughs> so no,
1: if no, you, that's, that's a real ouch. Yeah,
2: yeah, so if you can give them immediate feedback, we learn yeah. from mistakes, you know. So, you know, like a little kid touching, you know, the hot stove. They're like, well, not going to do that again. So if you get that feedback <laughs> immediately, you know, just yeah. like touching the hot stove, you're going to learn that much faster, and that knowledge transfer is going to happen much faster as well.
1: Mhm. So that's and I assume, that's too, where I see that, AI uh, playing
2: out.
1: Right. Okay. So AI does that, and that has the advantage of not just giving feedback to the individual, but maybe finding out mm-hmm. something that's more systemic, like you were just talking about, and making sure that everybody is uh, yeah. brought up to speed on it, and maybe yeah. the system has changed and the processes, etc.
0: Mhm.
1: Yeah. Yep. I can see that. I can see that be very par- powerful and if you actually do that, the ROI on mm-hmm. whatever you did to mm-hmm. get there is probably going to be pretty high too, right? Right,
2: right. Well, and you, and you really have to understand this, the systems that you're working with. You have to understand how AI works. Um, I was actually on a – helped with the Chicago AI Days here about a month or so ago and helping put together panelists and the speakers. And I was telling the, the gentleman running it, I said, well, we're forgetting one very important panel here. He says, well, who's that? I said, the bots. We need to have a panel of Siri and Alexa and Google Voice. And so I brought all these devices and, and, uh-huh. uh, and asked volunteers from the audience to hold them. I held the microphone, and I asked each of the bots individually, you know, the same question, you know, because you can address them separately, and just to show the audience that we still have a ways to go. You know, you, you know the bots are not going to take over the world, so you have to understand the limitations Mm-hmm. Uh, of what this technology can do as well and understand uh, natural language processing and all that. So you can't just plug in – it's not a plug-and-play uh, activity. So you have to really understand the technology, extend what its limitations are, but also understand, understand the power behind it. You Because know, we even asked um, – we asked all of those bots, what's the def- definition of AI? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Siri got it completely wrong. Uh, <laughs> 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 and, and she went in a oh, long theory. description how, how about something you? else, yeah. And um, and then we pulled the audience for who they thought which bot, you know, answered the questions more accurately, and, and actually uh, Alexa won. Alexa won. So,
1: Interesting. Okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So it was, you know, so Done. understanding what it's capable of and understanding the limitations, <laughs> but you know, really kind of saying where we're going to get the biggest ROI based upon uh, the. Um, the the operations and the behaviors and the, you know, kind of the feedback mechanisms, feedback loops that you're looking for.
1: Right. now, I can imagine, uh, poor Siri, uh, you know, when uh, my wife went to a school that had a big agricultural program and she was, heard us talking about AI and she said, why are you talking about artificial insemination? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Got that That's wrong. That's true. I did no, grow up on a I farm. Think, <laughs> Yeah, I think yeah, that's we moved funny. on since then. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, interesting, okay, yeah, that's very clever. I love that idea that you did that. Are there, are there mm-hmm. any other, we're going to go to questions here in a second with uh, Alan, but um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, any other big training challenges uh, that uh, you'd like to share with us and that we should know about?
2: Yeah, I, I think the biggest one is um, time. You know, what I see within the contact center space especially, um, well, not only there, in general everywhere, is is allowing that investment of time, letting somebody go off to a training course. You know, mm-hmm. most contact centers compress that training window in two weeks.
0: Mm-hmm. You can
2: imagine everything they're trying to learn in that two-week window. Uh, one of them that I was speaking with recently was six weeks but they're saying, well, gosh, you know, we get these people, we rush them through, you know, they get six weeks of training, which we think is generous. But then after their first week on the floor, they decide, I don't like being a call center agent, and they quit. So we're trying to compress it down to maybe four weeks so that we're not spending that extra money for that two weeks of them being in training. And I say, well, is that really the right way to look at it? You know, maybe, right. <laughs> maybe somehow expose them to what is reality earlier on in the training, period you know either through simulation or role play so that you know they're not taken off guard once they get into that production environment but i i would say really giving them realistic experiences giving them hands-on experience you know that that to me is where people see oh gosh that's going to cost a lot of money well it doesn't really have to cost a lot of money um, these days if you if you do it right and uh and use the right tools, but just you know what's best practice you know what's who are our top agents? what are they doing out there? you know they're not really looking at you know who's doing it well to work and then reverse engineer the training programs so that it addresses those those behaviors and activities that here gee, somebody's successfully doing it here. maybe we should just copy what they're doing.
1: Right, yeah. No, I think uh, the six-week programs, one of the problems with that is that people have sort of limited uh, capacity to remember stuff, particularly if mm-hmm. they don't practice mm-hmm. it. And even yep. in the six-week programs that have good um, role play, which is really key, I think, right. uh, even in those cases, it's uh, the, there are centers who are able to chunk things so that mm-hmm. they're able to do a module, get people up to competency on uh, one or two things, and then actually put them in a queue, which is an right. easy question. Right. And it uh, does a couple of things. It gets them over that stage fright of the mm-hmm. first time you're on the phone. It gets them into uh, the sort of uh, being mentored in a nesting phase uh, right. where right. they get right. comfortable with the interaction with the uh, supervisor or the agent advocate uh, slash mentor. And uh, then they go back for some more training, and they mm-hmm. are able to go into, you know, more queues and be uh, programmed for more cues and, right. and sort of build right. it that way. That's that's ideal when that can be done. So, uh, well, good. Well, we're, we're uh, getting to the point where we need to move to questions, but did you have anything sure. else you wanted to say on that before we do?
2: No, we can, uh, we can move into the questions that uh, were emailed in, sure.
0: Okay, so over to Alan. Yes, we have. Several questions coming in. The first one I got here is from Cody, and he's asking, are there some examples of someone who is using technology in the wrong way for training?
2: Oh, yeah. I've got a good one. Um, <laughs> so I won't say the company name, but I was answering an RFP uh, for a company looking for a simulator for a contact center, and they said, but anything you have in uh, VR uh, or uh, virtual reality, or augmented reality, uh, we'd like to see that too in your response. And I thought, oh, gosh, I wonder wonder why they want that because maybe they're wanting to show the agent how the customer's feeling, you know, or maybe so they could be more empathetic, you know, so maybe see how they're reacting in an AR um, augmented reality way. And so I set the meeting up with them and, and went through my little spiel, and, and, and they said, well, do you have any AR or... Um, uh, vr and i said well i mean i can develop it i've I've actually looked into that to that in the past but can i ask how you're going to use it They said well we you know we want the person to be able to pick up uh the router as they're helping the customer so they can look at the same you know equipment that they're looking at and uh turn it around look at all angles and i said wait a minute, this isn't going to be an actual router that's connected to that environment, right? No, no, it's just the same piece of equipment. (laughs) It's like, Hmm. uh, wouldn't a printed PDF have the same capabilities, you know, if you're not changing the physical equipment at all and you can't change the experience that the customer is still having on their their other end of the phone? That seems like an over-engineered solution to me.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, good point, good point, yeah.
2: Yeah. So uh,
1: hopefully yeah. they they made the appropriate change there. Um, yeah. 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 I think uh, with with any kind of technology, you have to use it the right way. And one of the things to do is to talk to other people who are using it, and mm-hmm. uh, to mm-hmm. you know, uh, there's there's nothing. Else. I mean, everybody loves going to. Uh, Industry events, right? And one of the reasons is you get to talk to other people, what they're doing, what mistakes they've made, what they like, what they don't like, and the things that they're doing. So making sure that you actually, uh, you know, talk to people and ask your vendor, your supplier, to give you other references. Mm -hmm. uh, Very, very important. Very important. Okay. Well, good. Thank you for that answer. Uh, Alan, do we
0: have any others? Yes, we've got a couple more. The next one is from Robert. And the question is, a lot of call centers use role-playing to get agents up to speed. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, um, I'm always a big, big believer in um, learning by doing. And and I actually did a a webinar a while back where I compared simulations versus role-playing. And there's pros and cons to both. Um, the problem that I had in, in, in a couple of years back when I first got into voice-based technology, I created this, this interactive role-playing tool because when you're doing role-playing, number one, you have to have two to three people at the same time, so that's pulling, you know, resources away. Um, it becomes very subjective in the way that someone's uh, assessing whether or not you did it well or not, um, and the person always being asked to be either the agent, uh, you know, always feels like they're in the hot seat. And that's um, not always the best way to uh, conduct a learning experience. It, you know, they're more worried about, uh, you know, am I going to say the wrong word, i am going to say the right thing, and, you know, versus, you know, being something that allows them to make mistakes without being judged. <laughs> so, uh, but the one benefit it does provide is that if you're the person playing the customer – you get to feel that sense of, you know, you get to learn empath- how to be empathetic because you're the customer. You're maybe having the frustrating experience on the other end of the phone. So I think that's, in that way, that's good. Or or if you're doing role-playing in a way that uh, maybe you're using a recorded conversation and then having people respond, how would you respond to this and back and forth with an actual customer engagement, that is a good way to learn. But, you know, I think the traditional way that people do role-playing um, uh,
1: there's room for improvement there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things, too, that I've noticed is that with the role-playing thing, um, we oftentimes are concerned about how the agent is going to feel in the hot seat mm-hmm. there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But right. actually, the trainers and supervisors are oftentimes in the same place. They haven't been trained on how to do right. role-playing right. well either. Right. And so exactly. they're not really comfortable with it. And yet, they're not only – they have to actually set it up and run it, and it has to be impressive, and it has to work, and mm-hmm. all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain yeah. amount of stress in that is also. So role-playing is really important. As you said, uh, we need to sort of create a safe space uh, for people to do the well, uh, the role-playing. Yeah. and
2: it's usually done one-time. So you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a one-time yeah. event usually versus, let's okay, this week we're going to role-play now. This is our role-playing slot, or, you know, If they did it on a regular basis like that and had that culture, I'd say go for it.
1: Well, and and, uh, in terms of doing it on a regular basis, one of the things to keep in mind is, in particular for those situations where uh, they have new products coming out, they have new issues Mm -hmm. coming down the pike, et cetera, Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the things is to have a a team meeting and to say, hey, you know, there's this problem with our product, uh, and so we want you all to know about it. It's so another thing to say we've got this problem with the product, we've got this fix that's coming through, let's do a role play on it. Okay, so let's say mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, I call in and, and blah, blah, blah. After the instruction has been done, let's actually see what it feels like to actually deal mm-hmm. with the situation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's, I think, something that should be ongoing, and not simply something that's uh, reserved for initial training. Right, I agree 100%. Okay, I think we've got time
0: for one more question here, Alan. Do you have one for us? Uh, yeah, let me get one out. We got one from Corey, and the question is, what recommendations do you have for how to design an effective training program?
2: Uh, okay, well, this this goes back kind of what I was saying earlier. You know, look to see someone that's your top performer. You know, what are they doing? What nuances are they doing that maybe they didn't learn in their initial training that they've learned to use over time just based upon the systems that they're using, the resources that they have, and the types of customers they're interacting with. And, you know, kind of, like I said, reverse engineer it from there and, and give give those agents as much hands-on as you can, you know, because, you know, I'm deep into that simulation space. But um, any kind of interactivity, anything that's more active versus passive learning, I see a lot of passive learning design out there where it's an online course where it's just, you know, page turning. And that's really not helpful. And so the way you want to break it down is, first of all, is the information I'm is, – is the learning I'm giving them, is it information-based or is it skills-based? And break it – start breaking it down from there. And anything that's informational-based, put it into a document, put it into some reference, put it into – SharePoint or wherever you've got you know, your knowledge management system and, and teach them how to navigate it to get it to when they need it on demand. But anything that's actually skills-based where you have to transfer knowledge, make that as hands-on as possible. Um, so any recorded calls that you can give them and have them react to them, any kind of uh, simulation, you know, there's uh, software simulation tools out there, anything like that that um, really gives them that hands-on experience to help uh, make that knowledge transfer faster.
1: Okay, I love that idea. I think that's great. And, Nancy, unfortunately we're out of time now, uh, Mm -hmm. but uh, if if you have any last words for our uh, audience, then I would love to hear them. Otherwise, uh, we will proceed to wrap things up.
2: (laughs) Well, just, you know, value the investment in training and, and think about the value you're providing today and see how you can improve upon that.
1: Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, it was great, great information. Uh, for any of our listeners uh, who would like to reach out, Nancy can be reached at nancy@verbaltransactions.com. At and this uh, episode, as you know, will be uh, recorded and will be posted on our website for your future uh, listening pleasure. So thank you so much again. And with that, I'll yep, hand thank things you. over to uh, – uh, great. And I'll hand things over to uh, Alan to wrap things up.
0: Yes, thanks again to Nancy and to Bruce for your insightful discussion on today's show. Be sure to join us next month for another great show or look at our huge selection of archive shows and topics at benchmarkportal.com. Then click on Call Talks, where you'll find over nine seasons of this show. From all of us at Benchmark Portal, keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready. This is Alan Potcutter signing out. Have a great day.